this episode of Fantasy Baseball Picks and Bets on the Mayo Media Network. I am Gary and Thorne, and today's episode, as it always is, is brought to you by the fine folks over at Prize Picks. We will get into some prize picks in just a second. We are talking everything Tuesday, May 18th, and the 14 game featured MLB slate within. We're going to do DraftKings, talk some pitchers, talk some hitters, go over some bets I like on the DraftKings Sportsbook as well. But again, let's start with prize picks. And I want to remind you guys that if you go over to prizepicks.com, if you haven't done so yet, you can have your first deposit matched up to $100 by using the promo code MMNMLB. So make sure you do that. Make sure you go over to Prize Picks. It's a lot of fun, kind of different version of fantasy. I'm really enjoying it. And use these two plays when you do so. The first guy I really like tomorrow on Prize Picks is Mike Yastrzemski. He is going up against Luis Castillo. I tried the Castillo thing for a while. I tried to buy into the dip. I don't know. It, it just doesn't seem like it's right right now. And obviously, it's hard to use a start at Coors Field as sort of your that's it, I'm done moment, but eight earned runs for Castillo in that game. He has now given up 18 earned runs, excuse me, 19 earned runs in his last 18 innings. That encompasses his last four starts. He's not very good right now, and he's giving up a WOBA greater than 400 to opposing left-handed bats so far in 2020. Yastrzemski is also heating up at the plate. Uh, he's got home runs in back-to-back games for the Giants. He has an extra base hit in six of his last seven games, which almost gets him all the way to the seven and a half fantasy points he needs to go over in this game against the Reds uh, if he were able to do that once again. But in general, he has hit exceedingly well as a left-handed bat against right-handed pitching. He's got a 325 isolated power and a 141 WRC plus within the split so far this season. So I think Yastrzemski goes over 7.5 fantasy points, and I think the Giants in general just do pretty well in that game. We'll get back to that in just a second. The second guy I like on prize picks, not digging too deep here, Ronald Acuna Jr. It's a big prop. It's one of the biggest props we see on prize picks, nine fantasy points. I like him to go over nine fantasy points against Tom Zapucky, who is making his first career MLB start tomorrow. We've actually got a pair of emergency lefties in this game between the Braves and the Mets. Um, it's probably not going to be pretty. Uh, I don't really trust either of these offenses, though, too, too much, but I do trust Acuna. And you don't have to stack the Braves on prize picks. You can just roll with Acuna, who so far this season has a 197 WRC plus against left-handed pitching. Uh, Zapucky has one career start above double A. So, you know, he, he and not, not to say he couldn't succeed, but this is definitely a situation where the Mets are having their hand forced. And this is an emergency start for Zapucky. It's a tough way to get that start and literally have to start that start against arguably the best hitter in baseball in Ronald Acuna Jr., who is having, again, an incredible season against left-handed pitching. Probably gets five plate appearances in this game. So I like him to go over what is a very big number, nine fantasy points, on Tuesday. So that is Acuna over nine, 
Yastrzemski over seven and a half on prize picks. And let's now move to the 14-game featured slate, kicking off past 7 o'clock over on DraftKings on Tuesday. It's a big slate, one of the biggest we've seen all season. And obviously that means a lot of pitchers, both good and bad. And it's funny, for a slate this big, you would think I'd want to start at the top. I want to start in the complete opposite direction. I want to start at the absolute bottom and talk about Chris Bubik, who is going to make the start, his first of the season, for the Royals on Tuesday going up against Milwaukee. Bubik is the minimum. He has $4,000 on this slate. And even though he hasn't started a game yet in 2020, he's pitched the equivalent of a game in his last two outings. Uh, Specifically, his last game against the Tigers, he threw 80 pitches across five scoreless innings. And you say, oh, that's the Tigers. What does that even mean? He threw five and two-thirds scoreless innings in his last relief appearance against the White Sox, who crushed lefties. So I'm a little intrigued by what I've seen from Bubik in his last two outings. Uh, Ten and two-thirds scoreless baseball, just four hits allowed in that span of time. Eight strikeouts, so that doesn't blow you away by any means, but this is someone who is a relatively highly touted prospect. He was a compensation round, so first round pick of the Royals a couple years back. And he is someone who also struck out 49 opponents in his 50 innings in 2020 in his rookie season. So, you know, not elite strikeout numbers, but he's above average. And he doesn't have to do all that much, considering he is, again, the minimum. He is $4,000, despite how well he is pitched, uh, in a very similar role. And despite the fact that he is seemingly completely stretched out, we probably get uh, 90 pitches, maybe 100 pitches out of Bubik if things go well on Tuesday. And Milwaukee's a pretty darn good matchup to get. Uh, you look so far in the month of May, uh, they have an 81 WRC plus that is second last in all of baseball. They have a 127 ISO. That is the fourth lowest mark in all of baseball. I will say there is a chance that Christian Yelich is activated for this game. That is something we have to watch out for. Uh, he has been, you know, I think three games into a rehab assignment. I don't know how long they want to keep him down there, but after the off day on Monday, seems like it's very likely that Yelich is activated for this game on Tuesday, but there's also a chance they don't want to rush him back because they rushed him back the last time. So even if Yelich is in there, it's a left-on-left matchup. It's his first game back in about two weeks. Um, I- I'm not overly afraid of Yelich in that in that scenario, and he's about the only hitter I have any qualms about so uh if Yelich isn't in there I love Bubik if he is in there I still love him because he's four thousand dollars so weird to start at the bottom like that but I did want to just point out that I think that price point is way off for Chris Bubik and I think he's got an opportunity I would say his ceiling is probably only about 6x value but I think his floor is 4x value and that's a great place to start with any pitcher uh some guys at the top end that I do like and wanted to point out uh, Zach Wheeler has a really nice matchup against the Marlins. Uh, Miami, so far in May, has the third highest strikeout rate in all of baseball. Wheeler's last four starts have been fantastic. He's been pitching deeper into games than almost anyone else in baseball, so has the opportunity to rack up a lot of strikeouts and a lot of fantasy points against the Marlins. He is $10,000 exactly, uh, which is a lot more affordable when you're maybe pairing him with someone like Chris Bubik. Uh, Blake Snell is a really interesting name. He's $8,900. I have wanted nothing to do with Snell so far this season, and he has given really no indications of being a viable uh, fantasy starter. Uh, he's, 
I, I don't think he's even gone over 20 fantasy points so far in a start this season. So you might be saying, why would I want to use him at $8,900? I'm not even necessarily saying he's viable, but I did want to talk about him just because, one, the price point is starting to go down. We had a slate, I think it was two Tuesdays ago, where Snell was the highest priced pitcher on the board despite these struggles. So at least the algorithm is starting to identify that Snell has not been that guy so far in 2020. This is tied for his lowest price point of the season at $8,900. Also, it's Colorado in San Diego. Uh, And not surprisingly, the Rockies have terrible numbers on the road so far this season. In fact, they have a .094 isolated power. That is by far the lowest mark in baseball on the road. So this is a really good matchup. And if Snell were to ever have that breakout start where he works deep into a game, which has been his biggest issue so far this season, it could come on Tuesday. Not a cash game play by any means, but I think he's kind of interesting in GPPs. And I'm going to have, I'm going to have some ownership. I'm going to have a sprinkle, let's call it, because you don't want heavy exposure to Blake Snell at this point, but this is a great matchup against the Rockies. And I think there is some upside here. Uh, One more guy, Andrew Heaney, um, you know, if you just want to play the pattern game, he has gone over 30 DraftKings points in three of his last six starts, and it's always great start, bad start, great start, bad start, great start, bad start. We are due for a great start. So if if that's a narrative street you want to go down, be my guest. Uh, I think what that says to me, if I'm being serious, is that Heaney has 30 DraftKings point upside and a sub $8,000 salary. He's also got a matchup against Cleveland, and Cleveland's been a pretty good matchup for pitchers so far this season. Um, In the month of May, they have an AL low 81 WRC+. They are not a good offensive team. Um, Not necessarily the highest win expectancy for Heaney in this spot. The Angels have been scuffling. Um, But at the same time, there's a lot of upside here. So again, I would put him in the Blake Snell category of someone I'm looking at in GPPs not necessarily in cash games, but I did want to point out both those guys because I do think they're interesting at the very least. Uh, Let's talk about some stacks to possibly pursue on Tuesday's 14-game slate. The Dodgers are really interesting. Um, Obviously, if we go back three weeks, I'm not really going out on a limb by saying, hey, I like the Dodgers on any given slate. This is not the Dodgers team you kind of know at this point. Um, the Dodgers are injury, injury riddled to say the least, uh, losing Corey Seager over the weekend. Um, you know, this is a team that has, you know, picked up Albert Pujols off the scrap pile and batted him clean up on Monday, granted against a left-handed pitcher, but still that's kind of a crazy thought process for a team that we might, we thought might win 110 games, uh, less than a month ago. So the the interesting dynamic that this has created with the Dodgers is that obviously you still have expensive guys like Mookie Betts and Max Muncy um, and and Will Smith at the top of the order, Justin Turner also in that mix. Um, You're going to have to pay a pretty petty for those guys against Merrill Kelly, and it's a good spot considering Merrill Kelly so far this season. Been bad in general, but specifically bad on the road. He's got a 376 opponent Woba on the road and a 5.38 FIP for the season as a whole. He is 15th percentile in expected slugging percentage, and he is 12th percentile in expected whiff rate. Uh, so he's not getting swings and misses, and teams are making tons of hard contact 
against him so far this season. So he's the perfect guy to stack against. And if you don't necessarily have the money to go after those huge guys, uh, there have been value options hitting in premium lineup spots for the Dodgers the last couple of games. Gavin Lux is just 3,300. Matt Beatty is 3,300. Luke Rayleigh is 2,200. He's been hitting sixth against right-handed pitching for the Dodgers. Not doing much, but again, huge value opportunity and a pretty good matchup, uh, opposite-hand matchup, against Merrill Kelly. Even Pujols, like, I think he's only going to play against left-handed pitching, and he's probably only going to hit cleanup against left-handed pitching, but considering how injured they are, um, if he comes out and hits fourth or fifth in right-on-right, it's not ideal, but he's only $2,500, so there's a lot of value to make the other elements of that stack work, and I think that's one of the reasons that I do like that stack with the Dodgers. Um, There's some other weird games, like I mentioned that contest between the Braves and the Mets. You've got rookie starters, rookie left-handed starters, both making their debut in emergency situations, or at least their debut in in 2021. Um, I just don't really trust either of those offenses right now. Philly is kind of interesting against the Marlins. Uh, Again, Philly's in a weird spot where they are so beat up. Uh, Sunday, they left that series against Toronto with question marks about D.D. Gregorius, uh, J.T. Real Muto, Bryce Harper. Uh, So you really have to see a lineup to kind of get a sense of what Philadelphia is going to look like on Tuesday. But Nick Neerdert has been terrible so far this season for the Marlins. There's a reason he was sent back down to AAA. He's now going to make the start on Tuesday. He's got three starts under his belt so far in 2021. Expected ERA of 9.35 across 12 innings. He's given up five barrels in that 12-inning span. 505 Woba to left-handed bats as well. So if Harper is in the lineup, Harper is a fantastic play against this guy if you do trust that shoulder. Uh, DD would also be a good play. We just don't know if he's in the lineup or not. Uh, one guy I did want to single out, though, just because of all these injuries, uh, aside from Reese Hoskins, who's having a pretty good month of May so far, Brad Miller comes in at exactly $3,000 on Tuesday's slate. He's got third base and outfield eligibility, so you can really move him around. And if Bryce Harper's missing, if DD's missing, if JT Realmuto is missing, there's a pretty decent chance that in a left-on-right matchup for Miller, he's going to be hitting fourth or fifth in this lineup for the Phillies. And you go back to the start of 2019. Everyone remembers the one great season Brad Miller had with the Rays. You go back to the start of 2019. His WRC Plus is above 120 in part-time duty. He's been hitting pretty well the last couple years. Just not a lot of people are noticing it. So if he's going to hit in a premium lineup spot for $3,000 against Neerd, who's been terrible so far this season... I think I will have a couple pieces of Brad Miller. Okay, before we get out of here, let us talk about some best bets on the DraftKings Sportsbook. Uh, I sort of alluded to this game earlier. I'm going to double down on it. The Giants at the Reds. This is actually the one game on Tuesday that isn't on the 14-game featured slate. Um, This is a really weird line. I, I know the Reds are at home. I know Luis Castillo is still a name, but the Reds... Money line is plus 108, plus money to, excuse me, the Giants' money line is plus 108, plus money on the Giants to beat the Reds on the road, something they were able to do on Monday. Uh, the Giants are just the better team, first and foremost. And then the pitching matchup is very lopsided. Anthony Disclafani against Luis Castillo. Disclafani so far this season has a 2.81 expected ERA among qualified pitchers. That is a top 10 mark 
in baseball. It's better than Hugh Darvish. It's better than Clayton Kershaw. And San Francisco has won three of his past four starts. On the flip side, as I mentioned, Luis Castillo, 19 earned runs in his past 18 innings. Maybe this is the start where Luis Castillo finally finds it, but I'm going to bank on the larger sample we have so far in 2021 that he's just not himself right now, and I think the Giants are able to win this game. The fact they are plus money in the money line is mystifying to me. It seems like a trap, but I'm going to explore that trap and bet the Giants. Uh, the other the other bet I like on Tuesday's slate is kind of scary. It's a little insane to say out loud, but I like the Yankees team total under. I like the Yankees to score less than five and a half runs at minus 130 against Mike Fulton-Navich and the Texas Rangers. Um, the interesting thing with Fultonavich is he's been getting demolished by left-handed bats so far this season, but he's actually been fine, perfectly fine against right-handed bats. Uh, Fulty for the season within the split has a six and a half strikeout to walk ratio against right-handed batters. He's also got a 1.11 whip. Again, he's been fine. He's actually been kind of good in right-on-right situations so far this season. And the Yankees don't have any left-handed bats. They actually have the second-fewest left-handed plate appearances against right-handed pitching so far this season. And a majority of those plate appearances, the few they do have, are guys currently not on the active roster. We're talking about, you know, Aaron Hicks, Rudnett Odor, uh, Jay Bruce before he retired. They haven't been able to find a left-handed bat that's been good and they can stick in the middle of this lineup I mean, Brett Gardner is probably going to be in there, but that could honestly be the only dude. And I'm not exactly afraid of Brett Gardner at this point in his career. So I think the Yankees just don't have that great an offense. They don't have the type of offense that I think can score six runs in this game, considering how good Fultonavich has been against right-handed bats, which is what he's going to see a majority of the time on Tuesday. And also, we're dealing with a Yankees team that doesn't have Glaber Torres, doesn't have Giancarlo Stanton. They're just, they're a little beat up right now. And I think this number is pretty high. So I will take under five and a half runs at minus 130 on the DraftKings Sportsbook on Tuesday. And that's going to do it for this episode of Fantasy Baseball Picks and Bets presented by Prize Picks. Check out all the great content here at the Mayo Media Network. But I am Gary and Thorne, and I will catch you guys next time.